We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after Timberwolves loss on the road against the Wizards. It was a final score of Wolves 107, Wizards 115. We uh, we haven't had to do many of these after losses lately. And I think it's important to still acknowledge that even after a loss tonight, the Wolves are still 7-2 and two over their last nine games. And... You know, in those seven games, we've been talking, those seven wins, we've been talking a lot lately about what what is working for this Wolves team. You know, and on those nights, when it's a win and things are working, we kind of, we brush over what hasn't been working. So tonight, we'll focus a little bit more on what is going to need to improve from this Wolves team if they're going to, again, be able to have a winning record, duplicate this, like have a winning record over the next 10 games. And I think as I watch this game tonight and just kind of reflect on What's been going re- going on recently, I think the one thing that stands out for me with this team is their three-point shooting. I mean, the Wolves have an 11-11 and record this season despite shooting the third most threes in the NBA while only ranking 21st in the NBA in three-point percentage. As a team, they're shooting 33.8% from three this year. And that's the reason the Wolves overall have been a below-average offense this season. They rank 18th in offensive rating. And a chunk of that offense... That offensive rating is being that high is due to the fact that the Wolves play fast. They they play in transition a lot. While they aren't a particularly efficient transition team, comparatively speaking, like transition opportunities are almost always good opportunities. So just by playing in transition a lot, like the Wolves offense gets a boost. You also rarely shoot threes when you're in transition. Threes come more often when you're in the half court. And the half courts where the Wolves are bleeding, right? They rank 26th in the NBA in half court offense. They're only ahead of Detroit, OKC, Houston, and New Orleans in that stat. And those four teams have four of the five worst records in the NBA. So the Wolves are literally playing half court offense at the same level as the worst teams in the NBA. And again, a lot of that that doesn't mean they are one of the worst teams or one of the worst offenses in the NBA. A lot of it just is they're shooting at that level right now. A lot of that is just their three-point shooting. And what's wild is that they have Cat. <laughs> he's the team's best three-point shooter, and he's shooting a career high from three this season, 44.2%. He's two for four from three tonight. If you look at the 44 players in the NBA who have taken 125 threes this year, 
Cat's one of them. He's taken 129 now. Of those 44 players, only Patty Mills and Lonzo Ball are making threes at a higher clip than Cat. So the three-point shooting problem is not him. The problem is that Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell, and Malik Beasley are also on that list of the 44 highest volume three-point shooters in the NBA. All three of them have taken more threes than Cat. But more importantly, they rank 36th, 34th, and 26th on that list. Anthony Edwards has only made 34.9% of his threes this season. That's 26th of the 44. Malik Beasley has only made 32.9% of his threes this year. That's 34th. And D'Angelo Russell has only made 32.4% of his threes, which is 36th of those, 36th amongst, amongst the 44 highest volume three-point shooters in the NBA. And the D'Lo one is what really sticks out to me. You know, Edwards at 34.9%, that makes some sense. That isn't one of the greatest strengths in his game. And, you know, it's about what he shot last year. Last year, he shot 34.4% from three. And Beasley, I think that's somewhat intuitive because we know early in the year, he was kind of working his way back into shape, just clearly wasn't the player who made 40% of the nearly nine threes per game that he was taking last year. But the D'Lo one is bizarre. You know, he was over 36% from three in his career coming into this season. And he almost shot 39% from three last year. He also doesn't have any physical ailments that we know of. And overall, you know, he's it's not like he's having a bad year. He's arguably having his most positively impactful season of his career. So when D'Lo shot one of 12 from three tonight, it, you know, it struck me as like, this is kind of keeps happening. And I asked Chris Finch after the game what he attributes that to. D'Angelo, I mean, we've been talking about how positively in, impactful he's been th- this whole season, despite not having his his best shooting year. Tonight, he's one for 12 from three. Has there been anything you've been able to gather in terms of rhythm or with, just with his shot this year, why it, it hasn't been going in at the rate it normally does? I mean, this is, you know, I don't, I haven't studied all of his shooting through his career, so I don't know why it's so much different or seemingly so much different now. You know, my thoughts on shooting, this stuff comes around and at some point he'll make it at, his, at above his normal rate. And then it'll, but, you know, I think some of the one for 12 here is attributed to just, I guess, you know, like I said, some tough shots late in the game, but, you know, he has a habit of it and he has been making those. And, uh, but he missed good looks early. I could tell him that. I could say that. He had good looks late too. He had the little slip out to the right wing three. That was a good look. Um, you know, with a few minutes, I think four or five, three or four minutes left in the game. I think certainly overall, we would take what D'Lo has given the Wolves this season in exchange for, you know, the four or five percentage points that he's currently missing from three. Again, you know, he's, he's having a good year. I just think when we talk about this team's half-court offense not having come around this season being one of the worst half-court offenses in the league, like, this shooting number from D'Lo comes to mind. And really, like, you can you can look at this glass half full, too. Like, if over the next 22 games, D'Lo's back to shooting a 37% clip from three, like, I think you'll see an exponentially positive return from that. Like, I mean, just even in these first 22 games, if D'Lo would have been shooting 37% from three on the 176 threes he's already taken... You know, that's eight more threes, 24 points. That's basically an extra point a game. But I think it's exponential because of what that shooting will open up, like specifically in the pick and roll game. Like the Wolves volume of pick and roll this season is just way too low. 
They rank 29th in the NBA in frequency of pick and rolls. Only the Warriors run less pick and rolls than the Wolves do, according to Synergy. And having both Cat and D'Lo, like, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, I know Chris Finch wants the offense to have flow and pick and roll is, you know, that isn't very flowy. But I think if D'Lo's three-point shot is going in more, they will run more pick and roll. It's not just, obviously, the, the most intuitive way to picture that is just D'Lo pulling up off of a cat screen, right? That'll help. But I think more pick and roll will also lead to more pick and pops for cat. And again, no, the cat's the best three-point shooter of those four guys we've been talking about, but he's at, has the lowest volume of the four. And I just think D'Lo hitting at a higher clip will just push them to run that action more. It'll lead to more D'Lo threes, and it'll lead to more cat threes. The, the lack of pick and roll is the one thing that makes the least sense in the Wolves' offense right now. And D'Lo hitting more, which I'm with Finch, like I think that's going to come around. Uh, D'Lo hitting more will make that act, like, like it'll be more appetizing to run that action. And I think, again, the Wolves will benefit from that exponentially. Like, Related to that, in tonight's game, we saw the Wolves be so hungry to like seek post-ups. And that you know, kind of made sense on paper tonight, given how the Wolves were guarding Cat. Like, again, as we always talk about, the Wizards did it again, too. Like, the Wizards were guarding Cat with a small. This time it was Kyle Kuzma. The difference this time, though, was that the Wizards were not sending double teams over on those Cat post-ups. They just let, they just let, you know, Kuzma guard him straight. And that this had been the book on Cat, right? Like, Guard him with a small, send a double once he starts backing down. But tonight, yeah, they just went with Kuzma on him. And it really, the Wolves weren't expecting it. It totally threw them for a loop early. I just went and went back and watched Cat's post-ups tonight. And just in the the first quarter, like, Cat got the ball in post-up situations five times. He shot it three times out of that. He missed all three. He turned it over once. And on one of the five, he, he made an assist to a cutting Vanderbilt. This whole guarding cat with a small thing has been another big reason for the Wolves stalled out half-court offense this year. They just haven't been able to solve it. And to try and solve it, the rock they keep trying to pound is cat post-ups. For the season, though, cat ranks in the 7th percentile on post-ups that leads to his shot or a post-up that leads to him kicking it out. And it's such high volume, too. Only Julius Randle, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, and Jonas Valanciunas have posted up more than Cat has. If you split it for the 30 highest volume post-up players in the league, Cat's on that list. He's sixth. Yet he ranks 30th of those 30 in points per possession generated. 0.647. So the Wolves are posting him up too much, and it's just not generating offense. So I, I think it's kind of a smart move by the Wizards. It's only natural to like kind of take that next leap and just decide, hey, well, let's see if it works if we skip the double team altogether. I mean, the center's still kind of there to help because in this situation, you know, it's Gafford. He's just sort of lingering around the rim because technically he's guarding Vanderbilt and we know Vanderbilt isn't spacing to the corner. So yeah, I think it's a smart coaching move. And like Cat did get going in the game. He started making some mid-range shots. He finished with 34 points. He led the Wolves in scoring. But I still think this tweak threw the Wolves offense off at the beginning of the game. And they just, they certainly didn't have any of that flow in the first quarter. It really reminded me a lot of a game last season. I just, 
again, you know, credit to us on Sell Jr. I thought the the Wizards coached a strong game uh, tonight, guarding the Wolves and on the other side of the floor as well. Um, I thought they did a, a good job there too. And we'll get to that here after a quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' eight-point loss against the Wizards on Wednesday night, and we kind of buried the lead there in the first half of the show in terms of the story of tonight's game, and the story was just the Wolves got crushed on the interior as it was the first time it's really happened this bad since the very beginning of the season when they lost that game to to the Pelicans and Jonas Valanciunas. It was 68 points in the paint tonight for the Wizards. And 45 of those points came from Daniel Gafford and Montrez Harrell. Those two shot a combined 18 for 22 from the field. They just, they dominated. And like I was saying before the break, it was due to a strategic tweak by the Wizards. They they clearly did their homework on not, not only the fact that the Wolves are playing more aggressively defensively this year, but specifically how they're playing aggressive on defense. You know, as we've come to learn this year, like the Wolves plan defensively, when the big comes to set a screen for the ball handler is for Cat to blitz that screen. Get all the way up onto the guard, almost trap it. The guard then is going to react. They're going to try and hit the roll man, split it through the trap. The Wolves know that, so their plan is to then swarm the roll man, right? And then once the roll man has the ball and they get swarmed, they're going to pass it to the corner. And what the Wolves do really well from there is they're really good at scrambling out to the corner. They force that corner shooter to have the ball and swing it above the break to the other player. That's where the whole X out thing comes in. The Wolves then X out to the above the break three-point shooter, and they contest that shot. 
it's been working for the Wolves. They came into tonight, ranked fifth in the NBA in defense, and that's because they've limited those above-the-break threes to a league-worst 30.2%. They gave up a lot of them. They can test them well, and teams aren't making them at a high clip. What most teams try and do to counter this, right, they see the Wolves doing that, is they go, all right, we're going to set the screen even higher. So Cat has pulled out even further from the basket. Theoret- or everything's more stretched out. So theoretically, this makes it a longer distance for the Wolves to have to do that scrambling thing that they're good at. You know, that's logical, but it hasn't been working for Wolves opponents. So what the Wizards tried to do tonight was exploit something differently. They went for the dunker spot. Most teams, again, they try and hit the roll man and pass to the corner. They're trying to exploit the corner. But what the Wizards did was just try and wedge the ball, like skip a step, don't even spray it out and just wedge the ball right into the dunker spot for Harrell or for Gafford to get a catch and an immediate dunk. If you go back and watch like any of the highlights, any of the, I don't know, maybe I'll post this on Twitter or something, but if you go back and watch any of particularly Harrell's scores, go look where he starts the possession. It's the dunker spot you know, right there by the basket, but he's intentionally super deep towards the baseline. He's being intentional. You can almost see him looking at putting his heels right on the baseline as far away as possible. And what he's doing there is he's trying to create as much distance as possible between himself and the ball handler because he knows that that it's the stretching out, but it's stretching it out the other way. Cat's now got a longer distance to cover to cover in recovery back down to the big. And the Wolves were tonight, and you know maybe part of it, they had some sick guys and all that, but they were a step slow to get to those passes from the, the Wizards point guard to Harrell or Gafford on the dunker spot. But part of it is literally they were a step slow because literally they were a step further away. And my concern whenever I see something like this that works against the Wolves is that, you know, this one opponent finds a hack and then the next opponent is going to notice it and copy it. Right. That's what happened on the other side of the ball this year earlier in the season. Once the Clippers started guarding Cat with Batum, it worked. The Clippers beat the Wolves three times dominantly. And so now everyone has pretty much started doing it. So I now wonder if scouts watching the Wolves will start thinking to themselves like, let's stop trying to exploit the corner. I mean, I know it's just one game, but it makes some sense that this would not only be a weakness in the Wolves scheme, but also a weakness in the Wolves personnel. Like the Wolves aren't big. So any team that has physical players on the interior may be able to similarly punish the Wolves the same way that Harrell and Gafford did tonight. It just exploits the Wolves' size problems. If it were me, that's the way I would try to beat the Wolves. Just pound the ball in the interior. It's like running the ball 40 times in football. Like, you know, you do it when your opponent doesn't have a strong front seven. And the Wolves in basketball don't have, or they don't have the basketball equivalent of a strong front seven. So I think it's definitely something to monitor going forward. Like, you look at Brooklyn, that's not really their game. That's not how they don't have the personnel to be able to do that. But the next game after that is Atlanta. And Atlanta kind of has like a souped up Gafford and Harrell, right? They got Clint Capella and John Collins. So I'll be definitely looking for that in the Atlanta game. Moving on here, though, to a Wolves positive, I guess, and uh, <laughs> something that, that went well for the Wolves. I'm going to make Jalen Noel tonight's Forgotten Star of the Game sponsored by Forgotten Star Brewery. It wasn't a particularly strong night from anyone on the Wolves outside of the big three, uh, but I did like the minutes that Jalen Noel gave tonight. So I'll take this time to 
talk about that a little bit, but also just kind of talk about him in general. He's not someone we've talked about hardly at all this season. Noel has been in the rotation the last two games. He's oddly kind of been like part of the Jaden McDaniels replacement. McDaniels has missed the last two games with the flu. Uh, tonight, McDaniels played six and a half, or Noel played six and a half minutes, and the game before he played six and a half minutes. And the one thing that really stood out to me uh, about uh, it's limited time, but about watching Jalen and going back and looking at it a little closer is he's just really committed to defense. And I think that's encouraging because that's something he talked about throughout summer league about how he knew defense was his route to playing time this year. He knows we know that he's a, he's a bucket getter. He's his one clear NBA skill is the ability to create space and pull up. But, you know, given the wolves roster, that just isn't a huge need. They've got creators. So offensively, he's kind of just got to be a spot-up guy. But he really is going to, like, earn his keep by guarding. And I'm just encouraged by his commitment to that end here in the past two games. There's, even in just 13 minutes of play, like, you can find three or four clips of Jalen guarding competently. And I think that's his path to not only being in the Wolves rotation, but just staying in the league. And kind of speaking of that, like, one thing to note as we start moving here into the season and eventually, you know, we'll start thinking about the trade deadline and those sort of things. Like one thing to note is that Jalen Noel's contract is not fully guaranteed for this season. He's only under guaranteed contract through February 27th. At that point, the Wolves could theoretically waive him to dodge what would pretty much be the second half of his $1.8 million contract, you know, save somewhere around $900,000. Now, I'm not saying that will happen. Personally, I don't think it should happen. I'm a believer in Noel's game. But if you kind of look at the timeline here, right? Okay, contract guarantees February 27th. Well, the trade deadline's February 10th. And there's a world where saving that 900K or whatever it breaks down to exactly, you know, maybe that's the difference between the Wolves making a trade and staying under the luxury tax line. Currently, the Wolves are just 900K under the tax So hypothetically speaking, they couldn't make a trade right now where they trade a $14 million player for a $15 million player without going into luxury tax. They would need to shed some salary and Noel's deal, like that would be the cleanest way to kind of do that. There's also the idea that by waiving him or you create an extra roster spot. Now, I don't know how much of a factor that will be given that, you know, the Wolves actually already have one open roster spot, but you know, maybe they take back an extra player at the trade deadline in a deal. And maybe in addition to that, they want to sign a big man to a 10-day contract. Well, to add a player and to add a 10-day guy, they need to create an extra roster spot. And again, Noel would be the cleanest casualty there. That's why I just think it's important to be able to see some Noel and get a feel for who and what he can be. He hasn't really had a ton of opportunity over this. Well, this is now his third year in the league. And this could totally go the other way, too. Like, if Noel carves out a role and his star kind of rises over the next few months, then he could become a bargain. He's on one of those Gupta special deals that we talk about where he's, yes, like his contract is only guaranteed through February 27th, but you can guarantee it for the rest of the year. And he's also under contract next year on a non-guaranteed contract. So, you know, if he's a rotation piece, like, that's a great contract to have him on. So... I'm just excited to see him get a little bit of run, get a little bit of run, and 
interested to see if there is more of that to come. If we're if we do see some games where he's maybe playing the 15 minutes that like Bomaro is playing, something like that, where we get a little bit of an expanded idea of who Jalen Oil is, because I think that will inform the decision of you know what his future is with the Timberwolves. So for that reason, he's tonight's Forgotten Star of the Game. As always, thank you to Forgotten Star Brewery. No Wolves game on Saturday, so you can go check out Forgotten Star in Fridley if you do. And you mentioned the show when you go order a beer. They'll give you a dollar off all your beers. And yeah, Fridley, Minnesota. They open at noon, seven days a week. All right, we're going a little bit long today. Um, apparently, I'm good at talking about losing. So we'll wrap here with uh, prize picks. I actually went four and one tonight which gets me above 500 on the season. Uh, funny enough, <laughs> the one of my five picks I felt best about, that was the one I got wrong, and that was Bradley Beal going over on three made free throws. I was looking at it before the game, and for some reason this year, Beal is only making 3.7 free throws per game, which if you look at his career average, is like, that's super bizarre. Last year, he made 6.8 free throws per game, and the year before that, he made 6.8 free throws per game. So I, I don't know. Apparently, he's one of those casualties of the new officiating this season. And he was a, a casualty of my picks tonight. He did get to the free throw line four times tonight, but only made two of those free throws. So I missed that pick. I also felt good about over nine and a half points and over six rebounds for Daniel Gafford. I kind of, in a different way, I, I kind of thought he'd pound the Wolves with just sort of middle pick and roll. He did that some, but as we talked about, he did a lot of his work from that dunker spot, just like Harold did. Overall, it was 18 points and 10 rebounds for Gafford. So that was two wins for me there. I also had D'Angelo Russell over six and a half assists. Nothing too special into that. I just, like I've been saying, I think his passing is really on point lately. I think he's got a really good feel for his teammates. And even though it's off shooting this season, bad shooting night tonight, he still had nine assists. My last hit was under 10 and a half rebounds for Cat. He finished with 10 rebounds tonight. And that is now the 15th time in the 22 games this season that he was under 11 rebounds. It's just been a real down year in terms of rebounding for Cat. And there's factors that go into that that aren't even necessarily his fault. Like certainly Vando plays a role in that. Um, but, you know, Cat has never necessarily been a really strong rebounder, like outside of his little zone where where he gets rebounds. And then also, you know, he's getting stretched out in this scheme where his zone is now he'll further from the basket more often. So uh, under 10 and a half rebounds from tonight, he had 10. Overall for me, that's four and one on the night. That gets me to 41, 39, and three on the season. We'll see if I can keep this going on Friday against Brooklyn. Uh, speaking of that game, I will be doing picks for it. I'll be tweeting during the game. I'll be watching it, but I will not have a post-game pod after that one, which is probably a good thing for the Wolves. I think they've won almost every game that I haven't done a podcast afterwards. So uh, hopefully we made up for that tonight by going a little bit longer, digging into some things a little bit deeper. And also we had yesterday's pod with Britt that was over an hour. I guess if you're looking for a little bit more positive tone, more focused on what has been going right lately for the Wolves, go back in your feed, check out my episode with Britt from Tuesday afternoon, which obviously happened before Wednesday's game against the Wizards. Uh, it's Brooklyn on Friday night for the Wolves. Then Saturday and Sunday, they are off in advance of a three-game homestand next week against Atlanta, Utah, and Cleveland. The quality of Wolves' opponents are starting to pick up. You know, to maintain 
their current 500 pace, which I think is what we're sort of setting the baseline for for playoffs here. Like, you know, to maintain that pace, they're going to have to win two of the next four games against the Nets, Hawks, Jazz and, Cavs, Jazz and Cavs. And those teams are all playing well. Over the past two weeks, Brooklyn, Atlanta, and Utah have all been top five offenses. And the Cavs aren't a joke this season either. They've been a top five defense the past two weeks, and they actually rank fifth on defense now for the season. So we'll be back chopping it all up next week, whatever does happen. Until then, enjoy your weekend. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.